0: your state your team your show this is sports nightly they look left back to throw is adrian he could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon he's to the five he lays out he's in that's a two-point play for nebraska and they have tied this game in champagne at 35 apiece now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and tim curran Yep, we're here, Friday night, Sports Nightly. It's been a few months since we've had one of these. Kind of feels good being here on a Friday night. Thank you so much for starting your weekend off with us. We're going to keep you on your toes for the next couple of hours. A lot of things to get to here tonight, so I'm glad we have a show. There has been some newsworthy things that have popped out that we'll get to throughout uh, the next couple of hours here on Sports Nightly tonight. And Tim Curran in again for Ben McLaughlin, who's off for a couple of weeks, hanging out with his new daughter, Kennedy, and that's fine. Uh, Tim, I'm sure, would would be a much better first ball pitcher than, than Ben. You're, you're, if you had to throw out the ceremonial first pitch, I think you could do better than Dr. Anthony Fauci.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking about that. I mean, he, he did flatten the curve, uh, as a lot of commenters have, have yep. pointed out. Uh, <laughs> probably not yeah. in the way he would have wanted to. but Any social I distance that- with it. Yeah, he he, did. he definitely sucks yeah. with this way. That has to be, I think, the worst first pitch. was it, is it 50 Cent who had the worst one? I, but Dr. Fauci's yeah. was up there. I, I was thinking if yeah. I were doing a ceremonial first pitch, I uh, have not yet been asked. I'm still waiting. I don't know if the Salt Dogs or whoever, or maybe Husker Baseball, if they want to give me a call. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm ready in the wings. But um, I don't think I'd get too, too keep with it. I think I'd just go simple four-seamer. Uh, I'd probably do a full windup just to kind of get in the mood of things. But, um, yeah, I'm glad it wasn't me out there. But, Dr. Fauci, uh, d- better work on that fastball. You got some time. That,
0: that thing was brutal. I Man, you're right. That, that's, <laughs> that, that goes down for one of the top ten worst first pitches, uh, ceremonial first pitches in, in history of the sport of baseball. Maybe that's a top ten topic for us. I don't know. Maybe we can <laughs> dive into that. Hey, I tell you what, though, Tim. People, and I asked you guys this the other night, are people really, did they miss it? Remember I asked you guys, be like, yeah, I think so. Last night's Yankees-Nationals game drew over 4 million viewers. It was the highest rated regular season Major League Baseball game in nine years. How about that?
1: That's that's incredible. I saw that uh, pointed out on Twitter as well, and it really isn't super surprising given the circumstances because, number one, what else is on TV right now? We've already gone through our countless reruns of The Bachelor and other things, so might as well uh, watch some Nationals, Yankees. And um, th- this season is going to be interesting too because I think one of the complaints that a lot of casual fans, people who aren't baseball fans, will bring up and say, oh, there's 162 games, you know, it's hard to get into, and I'm not going to sit down and watch this game for three hours. Well, now it's only 60 games. Extra innings are going to move by a lot faster because they have that weird second base, uh, guy in second base rule. And every game is extremely meaningful. I mean, you only have 60 games. That's going to be kind of hard to adjust as watching as a fan. So, uh, you know, there's really no excuse not to watch. And, yeah, there's going to be, you know, no having no fans in there is a little bit uh, of a downer. But for baseball, I don't think it's nearly as big of a deal as it would be for football or anything like that. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, people were just starved out for this $4 million. That's a That's a huge chunk biggest in what you said nine years so uh, I'm really not shocked at all and I was dialed into the Mets game Uh, it was kind of a weird broadcast I mean they had Mike Piazza Skype in he had a cigar in hand and was had his thumb covering half his camera and but you know hey I I loved every minute of it it was it was just just fun to watch live sports that matter for once in a long long time
0: the only negative last night for me was that that game got stopped by rain and they had to just be, it was a rain shortened game. The Dodgers and giants were able to play their full game late last night as well. So baseball's underway to put the 60 games into perspective. And I don't know that I've heard anybody make this comparison. College baseball's regular season is 56. So this is four more than college baseball plays to their regular season and obviously different level college to pro. Uh, So it's kind of like that. You just cannot have a bad 10-day stretch or you're not going to probably be around for the playoffs. Now, I know they've expanded them, so maybe maybe you can. Maybe you can get by with a 10-day stretch where you don't play very good baseball. But you think back to the years where really good teams have a bad April, and you're like, ah, they'll be fine, and they usually are. But you have a bad, let's say, first month now, you're done. You're not going to make it. Right.
1: I mean the All-Star break was was always kind of the the benchmark for, you know, if you don't pick things up after the All-Star break, you're basically dead in the water. Well, now yeah. it's just like it's basically like the the sprint to the to the it's like everyone's in just one giant pennant race uh so to speak. So um i think that'll actually be a huge benefit because one of the sports that i think kind of suffers a lot from that regular season fatigue is the nba i think they probably have it the worst where there's lots of kind of guys backing off and there's sandbagging and and all that um guys maybe not going as hard as they were trying to save their energy there's always the the load management is a big buzzword that's kind of creeped into the nba but there's gonna be none of that uh (laughs) in these restarts it's all it's all going to be pedal to the metal and i'm 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 excited for it. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who say, oh, there's going to be an asterisk next to this season because there's a shortened schedule and there's all these weird things going on. And and I can see that argument. But at the same time, that's definitely an accomplishment. I mean, the, 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 the rosters with the most talent, I think, are going to shine through. I mean, the Dodgers just ripped through the Giants' last night and that's really not surprising. I mean, if you have a lot of talent, you know, it's it, you you're, you're not going to see um, you know, the Blue Jays sneak into the World Series because of the 60-game schedule. I I think it's still going to be the most talented team that's going to get there.
0: What did you think of the cardboard cutouts at Dodger Stadium last night?
1: <laughs> there it's like <laughs> I, I was going to say, I mean, after a while, you kind of forget they're there. And then every once in a while, you kind of look up and you go, wait, what am I? Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. And they, they, whenever they do a close-up on it's classic. I mean, you've got people's, like, babies and people making different facial expressions. And, um, you know, I'm kind of mad that, you know, I wonder if the, the Cardinals are doing something. I, I could have tried to, to get some clout, tried to <laughs> try to buy yourself a, and, buy yourself
0: and a my, mannequin or something. Get there.
1: myself a yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm – crazy about it but it's it's definitely a, a thing that is happening that's all i can really say
0: all right we talked about a lot of news going on today we've talked throughout the week about this was going to be a big day for the ncaa their board of governors were going to meet uh, my gut was telling me all week they were going to announce the fall sports we're going to championships were going to be pushed to the spring that did not happen today they basically have kicked the can into august here is mark emirate ncaa president statement Late this afternoon, today the Board of Governors and I agree that we must continue to thoughtfully and aggressively monitor health conditions around the country and the implementation of the COVID-19 guidelines we issued last week. The health and well-being of college athletes is the highest priority in deciding whether to proceed with our 22 NCAA championships beginning in late November. We all remain deeply concerned about the infection trend lines we see it is clear that the format of our championships will have to change if they are to be conducted in a safe and fair manner we discussed other complexities in addition to the health and safety impacts to include team availability team travel limitations and various local and state restrictions we will continue our discussions in august well there was some thought and i was in this camp that They were probably going to push those all to the spring, which then would really, I think, make it hard for the FBS schools to go, well, we're still going to go ahead with college football. So in my eyes, for those of us who want to see college football here in the fall, this probably wasn't a bad thing to happen here today.
1: Right. And I, you know, I I guess I was a little bit surprised by the statement, but really it's the most predictable thing possible. If you thought the NCAA was now going to make a stand after, you know, kicking the can down the road for the past few months, then I guess, uh, you know, you had another thing coming. So, but you're right. It's not a, it's certainly not a bad sign and it does make some sense. I mean, with the virus changing as often as it does, you would, you know, giving, giving a few more weeks to make a decision, makes some sense. Now I would have thought that with, major sports resuming, that would provide the NCAA some cover. And now I understand it's different in college. You can't do an NBA-style bubble on college campuses. That's not really how that works. But I would have thought that with Major League Baseball and the NBA and you even have Major League Soccer, with all that getting restarted, I would have assumed that would have provided just enough cover for the NCAA to come out and and make a stand. Now, obviously, it's a little bit different, college and professional. um, But... You know, I guess you're right, Greg. It's, it's, not, it's not the worst news in the world. It's just disappointing that we have to wait even longer for the NCAA to finally come out and say something.
0: Patience. Patience. You know, uh, I, I, and Austin had this in the ticker tonight, the news at Michigan State. They had a couple of staff members and one player test positive for COVID, so they're shutting down workouts. If that's the standard we're going to have, we're not playing. I mean, we have no right. chance of playing, but I don't think that could, should be the standard. I mean, if you have some, an athlete, the staffers could have been a GA. It could have been a guy who works on their film room. It could have been, they didn't say coach, it said staff member. So it could just could be somebody who has kind of a minor role around the team or you know, maybe he's one of the managers or whatever. But don't you just quarantine those guys and continue to monitor the rest of your players? I, I just don't know. There's no way we get this done. I don't know when we would ever play sports again. If that's the standard we're going to have once we get a one positive test on the team, we shut her down. Tim, we can't operate like that, right. I think.
1: And I remember when when Clemson when they when they brought a lot of players back to campus, there was a headline that raised a lot of eyebrows and kind of scared a lot of people. It was like something like forty seven some odd Clemson players and staff had tested positive. Well, now you fast forward to today, and everyone has recovered. And so, really, and I, again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't even pretend to be a doctor on the radio. Uh, but you know, you really we ought to be. I think tracking hospitalizations with this virus because if you just get coronavirus and then you quarantine and recover and you experience because there are some guys who experience absolutely no symptoms and so should we treat someone contracting coronavirus and is asymptomatic the same as someone who is you know hospitalized and needs a ventilator i mean i I think that and also you know i had people are probably gonna you know yell at me for for saying this but again The science, the trend shows that these athletes, the the, the young student athletes, guys who are very healthy, are at a lower risk for that hospitalization. Now, I understand the virus, the way it treats people is different. Freddie Freeman today was talking about how the virus really kind of ran rampant through him and he recovered, but he had a pretty significant fever. And so it's obviously different how it affects everyone. But at the same time, you're right, Greg. You can't necessarily say one or two people have this time to, you know, shut up shop because again it's it's more about how are people recovering what are the symptoms like do you need to go to the hospital we should be tracking those instead of just saying one person got it shut it all down
0: i totally agree with you think about how many years and this happens a lot during basketball season where the flu bug gets its way through a team Mm -hmm. And don't start yelling at me, people saying this isn't the flu. Well, it kind of is. It kind of is the flu. It's a bad, bad case of the flu. It can be, like you said. But the flu reacts differently to some people. Some people get over it in 24 hours. Some people get over it in 48 hours. Some people die from it. But we don't shut everything down because two guys on a basketball team come up with flu symptoms. You move on. You keep going. You move them. You get them isolated somewhere so that you keep them away from the rest of the guys. You keep practicing. You keep playing games. At some point, we've got to do this I don't know if we get a vaccine. I sure hope we do. I know the medical industry is trying to work toward that. But we got to start to, in some ways, learn how to live with this. But uh, if you have some thoughts about that, we'd love to hear your take uh, at that at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Talked about news. We have recruiting news for you. Nebraska has picked up a commitment for this season as junior college defensive back Nadeb Joseph has just committed to the Cornhuskers. This is a young guy who's been playing junior college football the last year. He had one time he was committed to Alabama. He decommitted from Alabama, committed to Georgia, decommitted from Georgia, had some issues, We so had to go to a junior college routes. Now he's committed to the Cornhuskers, should be here in a couple of weeks, a little bit like Akeem Green a year ago, the big different junior college defensive tackle that got here in August. This is a pretty good pickup here for Scott Frost, for for a. Um, for Coach Fisher in that defensive backfield. Remember, Nebraska's lost a couple of DBs that were going to be a part of this 2020 football team in Henry Gray and Jaden Francoise. So Joseph Tim Curran is in. This guy looks like a heck of a player.
1: Oh yeah, 6'2", 193 pounds, 24-7 has him as the number one rated corner in the state of Florida. That ain't bad, and whenever you're stealing guys from Bama, um, that's pretty decent. Uh, he, you know, I watched just a little bit of his tape, and obviously it's a little bit different. and It's, not a, it's just basically a highlight <laughs> compilation, but he's got some pretty good hands. Lots of INTs, and in, in what I watch, he's pretty aggressive, too. And he looks just as comfortable making plays right up at the line of scrimmage as he does in the secondary. He just has that look. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, it's like a man-among-boys situation where you look at the field and he just is like a cut above the rest. And as you said, Greg, it's huge because, you know, the the the, the DB room, you like where it currently stands now for Nebraska. But again, depth is always a concern. DiCaprio, Boodle, Cam Taylor, Britt are excellent players. But really beyond that, you probably have, what, Braxton, Clark, and then not a whole lot else. So getting a guy – that highly touted in who can play immediately that's pretty that's pretty impressive that's a that's a that's a big deal
0: more good players it's better than fewer good players i mean <laughs> it's just it's it's a numbers game and this is a really good get for nebraska who kept working and and i made this comment the other night i can't remember if you were with me or if josh was that this staff has added some nice parts to this football team in the last two or three months. A couple of walk-on offensive linemen have joined this team that are coming from four-year schools, and now Joseph, the junior college defensive back. He's going to be here in the next week or two for the Cornhuskers, who, by the way, today started their new clock, the new part of the calendar, kind of an OTA for college football. We're starting today for the next seven days. Nebraska coaches can spend 20 hours a week with their players, including uh, five of those hours being out on the practice field they can't pad up but they can go out there and walk through some things do some situational work a little bit like you would do early in spring football practice and early in fall football practice so that part of the calendar began today for husker football I'm delighted to welcome on board the program from the lincoln journal star parker gabriel happy opening day for major league baseball parker how's this feel
2: Yeah, that's right. It's really nice to uh, take a break from watching live baseball to to talk to you. It's been, oh, it's probably been 10 months since I did that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do the cardboard cutouts bother you at all? No, I kind of like them.
2: In (laughs) fact, I I don't know know what the science is behind them, but I feel like if you're, a lot of baseball watching, for me at least, is like, you you know, it's going to be a little different this year, but you have all summer, you don't hang on every pitch. And so maybe you're just sort of watching it. And when those cardboard cutouts are back there, it's not like a substitute for actual people. But you do, if you're not focusing totally, it does kind of blunt how weird it is a little bit. I agree.
0: You know, somebody earlier this week was going, I can't do it. I can't watch games without fans. And I'm like, okay, why can't they put some team personnel – or just spread them out right behind home plate. So when you have that center field camera, you got a few people sitting there, and that's really the only, one of the few times you really notice a crowd at all. Is when the when the pitcher's throwing to the batter. Well, that's what they've done. They've got these cardboard cutouts. They put something there so your eye doesn't just go out. Or there's empty seats back there. I think it's brilliant. Well done. Uh, there's a way to monetize it, I'm sure, for these teams and good for them if they figured that out. I, I want to get a couple couple breaking things that have happened in the last couple hours. I want your thoughts on. Uh, how about the commitment of uh nadab joseph who just committed to nebraska at the top of the hour what do you know about this guy
2: yeah so uh, nadab joseph was uh um, he signed with georgia out of high school in, in uh, 2018 he was a highly sought after guy was committed to alabama at one point so um he was a blue chip sec type uh, defensive back from miami coming out of high school um believe it he didn't qualify academically so like you know a lot of people end up doing in any given year he ended up in junior college in kansas and Um, at Independence, and I think part of what happened, this is a story for a few guys that Nebraska has recruited under this coaching staff. Um, There was some question about whether he was going to qualify this year. So he didn't sign in the winter, and Nebraska stayed on him and and kept close and knew what was going on um, with his situation, and then uh, was able to sort of uh, swoop in and, and put themselves in good position as his, uh, you know, standing sort of became clearer. And now, um, you know, he's six foot two and and 195 pounds and, um, he's, he's, you know, he's not the kind of guy that you can just roll out of bed and go find easily if you're, if you're Nebraska. So, um, you know, he's got to get here. Uh, and then obviously it's going to be a steep learning curve. Um, and obviously Nebraska's secondary has some depth, and then on top of that, there's questions about what's going to happen this fall. So well, there's question marks still, but obviously if he's in the mix and Nebraska's playing football games, um, you know he, he has a chance to be a factor even, even though he joins the program pretty late.
0: Do you have any idea what is his eligibility clock?
2: Yeah, so he redshirted in 2018 at Independence and then he played in five games last year. So he has used his redshirt season, but he's only a sophomore in 2020. So he's got okay. three years of eligibility left, but he does not have a redshirt available.
0: Okay, so unlike Keem Green, who got here almost this exact time a year ago, he does not have that luxury of being able to sit a year and keep it.
2: Yeah, that's right. But even if I mean even if he were to play sparingly or something this fall, he would still have two additional years beyond yeah. 2020 because he's just a redshirt sophomore this fall. Right.
0: Which is kind of a bonus. A lot of times you get junior college players, they only have two years left. So yeah, that is kind of a bonus that they have that. Also, the other, the other news in the last couple of hours was the Board of Governors statement from Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, basically, basically kicking the can down the road into August. Uh, were you surprised that there was not a decision made today from that governing body?
2: A little bit, yeah. Um, I was a little bit surprised, and I, I, was, I thought maybe the NCAA would do something, um, if not with Division One, and with the lower uh, levels, but obviously there wasn't a decision made, and that really puts – I mean, I think, I think that the power conferences in terms of football are just proceeding on like they're going to try to go this fall. Um, and if the Board of Governors would have made a dramatic – uh, ruling today about the FCS level and the, and the college football, you know, or, or the, the, the playoff system at the FCS level, I should say not the college football playoff. Um, if they would have canceled that or moved it to the spring or something, I think that that would have uh, put some pressure on the power five conferences. Um, you know, whether they would have um, capitulated to that pressure or not, I think is a, probably, we don't know yet, but I, um, you know, at this point, I think you're just going to see conferences and teams keep preparing um, as if they're going to try to play this fall.
0: I, you know, t- today Michigan State shut down uh, shut down their workouts. They had, I guess, two staff members test positive and a player. I said this in our the segment right before you came on. I go, if that's the standard, if that's what we're going to use, I don't know if sports ever returns. I mean, that seems pretty harsh to me. I don't, I don't guess. I guess I don't get the logic of. Don't you just quarantine the one, two, three individuals, whatever it is, and continue on. That's what baseball's doing. That's what golf has done. I, I don't know. Do you think the Big Ten has a policy that kind of covers this, or is everybody just still flying blind with this deal?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So the NCAA, the guidelines the NCAA put out a few weeks ago talked about anybody that had a close contact uh, should quarantine, and I think it was for 10 days maybe. Or for a close contact, it was two weeks. And then uh, for a positive test, it was 10 days and then two negative tests. So, I mean, unless Michigan State determined that um, those two coaching staff members and a player had come in close contact with so many players um, that they just couldn't justify keeping open, um, that, that would be the only thing I could think of. The issue, one of the issues is I think they, they initially there was a coach that tested positive yesterday, and that was why – they paused until they could get the rest of the test back, which is where they found two more coaches and a player. And I just wonder if the lag time between whenever all of those people were actually tested and when they got the results back, if maybe that allowed for there to be a lot of contact among all those people before they actually knew the test results. But that's really the only scenario that I could come up with in my mind um that would lead you to make the decision that they made um which is a pretty you know it's a pretty drastic one at this point in the game
0: yeah i mean if that's where we're playing this fall you get one guy during a week uh, we're out i just i that doesn't make a lot of sense to me to to do that particularly the way we what we've learned about this virus over the last four or five months is that young people they're not totally bulletproof from this thing but the, the 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 rate of hospitalization and even the mortality rates very, very minuscule with, with, young student athletes. Again, we're visiting Parker Gabriel with the Lincoln journal star here on sports Honey. All right. We've been running through our position breakdowns and I know you've been able to pick off some quotes from some of that. What has stood out as you've listened to some of these coaches, uh, the last couple of weeks about the, about this football team. Is it, what, what, what is a uh, stood out in your mind? Is it interesting?
2: Yeah, well, I picked off a lot of quotes from it, So thank you for that. Um, I, uh, I think, you know, I thought, I thought uh, there's been, there's been a bunch of interesting things. You know, I thought that what uh, Barrett Root said about Nick Henrich last night was interesting. I don't think it's any surprise that um, his stock, or uh, Nick Henrich's stock in the program is really high uh, and on the rise. But I did think, you know, that's when you think about the way that Barrett wants his group to play. I mean, in the last two years, they've had at least three guys in a rotation last year, Um, Colin Miller, Will Honus, and Muhammad Berry all played, you know, roughly an equal number of snaps. And they'd like to even have four guys in a rotation like that. Um, You know, Barrett said that from the day he got here. And so I think that the door's really open for guys like Nick Henrich and guys like Luke Reimer, um, you know, maybe some of the other guys he mentioned last night. So that was one interesting thing. Um, And then I think, you know, the way – I think the tone – you know some people they say oh well it's you know preseason everyone's going and all that but i thought when travis fisher talked the way the confidence with which he talks about his group now really stands in pretty stark contrast to how he talked about his group when he first got here i mean he didn't mince words his first few months here about you know having a lack of depth and and not really knowing quite where the guys were at mentally i mean he said he didn't know if he had any guys in his room that wanted to like that like that liked playing football when he first got here. So, to be talking like that, you know, two and a half years ago, to uh, what he sounded like when, when you chatted with him uh, this time around, I think that really that really speaks to what uh, he's done in that room and the and the work that the guys have done in that room and sort of just how different it looks now than it did uh, in 2018.
0: One of the other coaches we talked to was Greg Austin, who really looks like he's developing some depth. And I I made this comment. I want your thoughts, too, that that room is now starting to resemble an offensive line that can can win at the Big Ten level, where I don't think anybody could have said that two years ago. But now they're getting close to that point where you're like, okay, that's a box they could check. What do you think of Coach Austin's comments?
2: No, I think you're exactly right, and I mean that really. People have asked me a lot, you know, what's it going to take for for Nebraska to really compete in the Big Ten and, and push to win the West and all of that. And I, mean, I think it's not rocket science. It starts on the lines, offensive and defensive. I mean, you just have to be able to control the line of scrimmage um, if you want to win in the Big Ten. And and um, Greg Austin's side's probably maybe a little bit further along in that in that conversation at this point, but I think. The the thing that I like about it and, you know, best laid plans and all of that, but on paper, what you like about it is that you've got sort of – you've got waves, right? You've got seniors who have played a lot in in Matt Farniak and Brendan Hymas uh, and Bo Wilson, and then you sort of know – the next wave, you know, Cameron Juergens has a lot of football ahead of him here still. Um, You sort of know that they really like Bryce Bennard at right tackle and and maybe Brant Banks next at left tackle. So when you not only know who your guys are and you feel good about eight to ten guys going into a season, but you can also sort of squint forward and say, I think if this continues on this arc, we sort of know what's coming after that's sort of to me the hallmark of getting into a position where you start to feel like you're in pretty good shape where you can see not only uh the current plan but at least some iterations of what the future plan might look like and you feel good about both of those
0: yeah i'm busy with parker gabriel the lincoln journal star here on sports county all right you've hit hit two two spots that I, i think most husker fans are encouraged about the offensive line that he bees I think a lot of fans are going, all right, talk to me about outside linebackers. Where do you right. think that group is? And and can Nico Cooper be a guy that maybe could come in and have an impact for this football team? Your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think they're expecting him to be. I mean, he's, a, he's another guy who, like we were just talking about with Dab Joseph, I believe he has three years of eligibility left. But uh, he's a couple years older than some of the real young bucks in that room. And I think – you know, I think that that's a room that's in, in transition a little bit. You've got a senior in, in JoJo Delman who's played quite a bit um, and has made, made his fair share of plays so far. Um, you've got a guy in Caleb Tanner who it feels like it's sort of a pivotal year for him. He's a junior already. Uh, and so the thing about uh, Nico Cooper and then about a couple of the really young guys in the room, Blaze Gunnerson and Jamari Butler, they are physically what Nebraska is looking for at the position where ideally you would like to not have to play, you know, field and boundary where Jojo Doman is better playing in space. um, And you've got a bigger guy last year was Alex Davis playing reduced down on the short side of the field. You'd like to just be able to have one guy on the left, one guy on the right interchange them and have them be capable of all of that. I think that's what they're hoping for. Um, with Nico Cooper and then with the guys that are, you know, freshmen and the guys that have committed for the future and all of that. So it, I th- my guess, what it looks like now is that Mike Dawson is it might, might have to sort of, you know, piece things together by, Situation by opponent, by game plan, that sort of thing. But I, I think that they'd like to think that Nico Cooper is the start of not having to do that anymore. And whether it is or not, um, you know, hopefully we get to find out this fall.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, just for you, uh, we will continue those breakdowns on Tuesday. We got Matt Lubick coming in to talk wide receivers. I appreciate receivers. that. And you know, and that's that's certainly an area that there, there's so many question marks. How, and, and related to that were you surprised at all that the jd spielman's
2: landing spot was tcu I, I wasn't really i mean i guess in in terms of it being tcu in particular i didn't see that coming um but i wasn't surprised that he ended up outside the big 10 i thought that that probably was uh, the way that it worked cleanest for everybody involved um and uh so no not really i mean it's It's always when you lose a productive player like that, obviously, you always wonder, um, you know, if it if it could have worked out differently. But at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, I think that that J.D. uh, Spielman and Nebraska are both in agreement that it was better off, um, you know, going their separate ways. And in that regard, I mean, TCU is a pretty good landing spot for him, it seems.
0: Yeah, and we wish him nothing but the best. He was a heck of a player here, and I know he's dealing with some other things off the field, and so we hope we just wish nothing but the best. Parker, always great to catch up. I, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. I mean, I kind of have a feeling if we start having press conferences, it's going to be over Zoom as we continue to navigate just yeah, a know. really odd time in our lives here. But we certainly appreciate it. I hope you're healthy and, and uh, trying to enjoy a little bit of your summer.
2: Yeah, same to you. And maybe maybe we can get to a point where we can wave at each other a Memorial we somewhere down the way.
0: No doubt. Thanks, Parker. Have a great weekend. All right. Yeah, thanks. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend.
1: Come in, watch. It'll be a good one.
0: Sometimes we give you good advice.
1: I could watch that all day.
0: But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Tim Curran.
1: That's right, folks. Live, real sports to talk (laughs) about for the first time in what feels like a decade. But here it is, and it's happening literally as we speak. We have Major League Baseball happening now. Again, don't pinch me. Do not pinch me. Uh, So that's where we're going to start. It is opening weekend. Easily the strangest opening weekend I think any of us will experience in our lifetime, at least hopefully. Uh, You're going to see DHs in NL games, a runner put on second extra innings, a shorter schedule, no fans or at least cardboard cutouts of fans, different roster sizes. But hey, so it goes. Uh, Taking a look at some of the key matchups on Saturday begins with a NL Central clash between the Cubs and the Brewers at noon. 1 o'clock, then you got the Cardinals and the Pirates as well. And that's, of course, the most wide-open division, the NL Central. I think we had, like, three different winners picked for that division. None of them were the Cubs, which made me happy. That's all well and good. A little after one, you're going to have Twins and the White Sox. They're going to battle out. Those are the two favorites to win the AL Central. You also have the Rays, who will take on the Blue Jays, who are now the Buffalo Blue Jays, I guess, so to speak. That's going to (laughs) happen at 2 o'clock on Saturday. At At 3 o'clock.
0: At least they have a home, right? Now they have a home. (laughs)
1: They feel they feel wanted now, and that's all they really wanted was just to be. Really, baseball is just the friends we made along the way, and that's what the Blue Jays have taught us. Uh, 20, year, 20, re-
0: Twenty years ago, I'm sorry to interrupt. Twenty years ago, there was a lot of talk of giving a franchise to Buffalo. That AAA affiliate has done very, very well. They supported very, very well, and when they were thinking about expansion. Um, th- that was a, that was one of the towns they considered, but they thought, well, I think they wanted to get another franchise in Florida. And that's how Miami got their, their deal.
1: New York has enough sports franchises. That's, that's my, that's my true take on there. Good I'm point. Standing firm. Uh, three o'clock. We're going to find out if cheaters prosper because the Astros, oh. uh, are taking on the Mariners. You MMA just couldn't Barton.
0: resist. Could you?
1: I did. I had to take my dig in there. You got Dodgers, Giants, and there's a bunch of other games. Braves, Mets, and uh, Indians, Royals, Tigers, Reds. Uh, There's a lot of games. Pretty much the same stuff on Sunday. Any matchup in particular, Greg, that you are most chomping at the bit for? Is it your your beloved Royals?
0: Um, Well, no. Last night, seeing the Nationals and the Yankees, I mean, you have the defending World Series champions and the Yankees, who a lot of people feel like is a World Series team. That's that's certainly a juicy one. I think the Brewers Cubs is a big series in the NL Central. You know, that's the one thing these teams are playing sixty games. They're going to play forty against their division, so you're going to you're that's going to be a really good sampling of who's the best team within your division. That's going to be a that'll be a fair sample size of who's the best team in each division. It'll get dicey after that. That's why I think they've they've decided to expand the playoffs. So, but yeah, the, the interdivisional thing between the Yankees and the Nats is. a pretty, pretty cool thing for me for your opening weekend.
1: That's not bad, but if the Cubs do start running away with the Central Division title, I will lobby man- Rob Manfred to shut the season down, just for safety. Just for safety. I don't want to see they anything They will not to...
0: run away with it.
1: <laughs> I don't think they will, but uh, in this in this new 2020 hellscape we live in, I wouldn't put it out of the <laughs> equation. <laughs> uh, speaking of oddities, we have the National Basketball Association and their bubble basketball. Uh, now, the I guess season technically hasn't restarted yet. There's there's still a weekend of exhibition games. So 22 teams they're in Orlando, Florida, playing at Disney's Wide World of Sports Complex. 16 teams are gonna make the playoff. So there's six teams that are chasing some spots. Uh, Real games are gonna start on the 30th. But until then, we got some scrimmages we're gonna dig into on Saturday, beginning at 11 a.m. The Lakers taking on the Magic. You can find that one on NBA TV. Half hour after that, Milwaukee Bucks and the Kings at 3 o'clock. Heat and Utah Jazz. Again, that's another NBA TV special for you. 3.30 at the Nets and the Spurs. 7 o'clock, Clippers, Wizards. 7.30, Nuggets and Pelicans. Then on Sunday at 11 a.m., 76ers taking on the Thunder. NBA TV right there. 12.30, Sun Celtics. 3 o'clock, Pacers, Mavericks. 5 o'clock, Trailblazers. And you also have 7 o'clock, Rockets and the Grizzlies. So So only only NBA
0: NBA TV, right? That's the only place that's got it this weekend. Yeah, and the
1: region yeah. there's regional stuff if you have a I don't know if yeah. you have like a long antenna if you want to pick up altitude TV or something like that. Did you did you, you see you who's back? Oh yeah, Zion Williamson yeah. has returned to the bubble.
0: I mean yeah. that's that's
1: not bad for the Pelicans right there.
0: That's Austin's guy. I mean Austin's <laughs> ready to crown him as the best player that's ever put on a uniform. <laughs>
1: You know, we, we talked about before. I was I was given Austin some grief for being a dirty Duke fan. Um, you know, I just had to had to get that in there. I'm not really sure he's how got, would, he's how got he's got Duke, Duke fan.
0: pajamas. He wears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a child in those uh yeah those those Duke shorts he wears. But yeah, NBA bubble basketball. Uh, learn to live it, love it, embrace it into your hearts. It has come to us all, and we're all better off for it. The other thing going on this weekend. We have the 3M Open and the PGA Tour, the third and fourth rounds, the TPC Twin Cities in Blaine, Minnesota. Coverage for that one's going to start at Saturday at 1 o'clock on the Golf Channel. Switch over to CBS at 3. be the same deal on Sunday. They're missing some of the heavy hitters. I mean, there's no Tiger. There's no Phil here. But, hey, uh, it's something. Taking a quick look here at the leaderboard. In fact, I should have already had this got ready it. to roll here. But I Michael Thompson. Yep. yep. And Ricky Wierenski are tied for first. They're at 12 under par today. They finished 5 under and 4 under respectively. And Tony, Tony is Fino. white right behind him. Fino. Yeah. yeah, Tony Fina, so who...
0: He's one of the top players in the world. He's only a shot back. And Matthew Wolf, who won this thing a year ago, is tied for six and minus nine. Matthew Wolf is the guy with kind of the goofy swing, but it's pretty darn effective. And he's only like 23 years old. He's a budding star. He'll be one to keep an eye on this weekend. It was so warm and windy up there today in the Twin Cities, a little bit like here. It was hot and windy up there. It probably will be all weekend.
1: Yeah. And there is I did neglect to mention there is some European PGA tour as well uh on Saturday, the Bet Fred British Masters, if case you are chomping at the bit yeah. to watch some and European PJ stuff.
0: I might be wrong, Tim, but this might be the first week they've played over there. I don't know that the P- the European tour has got this Austin can double check me on that, but I, I don't I don't I think this might be the first time since the delay that the European tour has been back. The PGA has been back for five, six weeks now, but the European guys have not opened up their tour. I think that this weekend might be the first. And next weekend, the Champions Tour gets going again. So they've been off since March.
1: Yeah, I think you might be right on that one. Uh, Also this weekend, we've got UFC Whitaker and Till. That's the big one. That's Robert Whitaker of New Zealand taking on Darren Till of England. Both men, one I'm around that. think I can take them. Uh, no. Whitaker he's nicknamed, no. the... <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> nicknamed the Reaper. That's uh, fair. Whittaker is nicknamed the Reaper. 21-5-0 all time. He's the favorite in this one. Meanwhile, Till 18-2-1 on the career. Uh, they're fighting in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Main card to the start at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Any interest in this one, Greg?
0: Not much. I'm not a huge (laughs) UFC guy. I know Ben is. I think you dabble in it some. I'm just not. It's just not. Boxing, I'll get into some big boxing fights, but UFC is not my cup of tea. Don't have a problem with it, but it's not my cup of tea.
2: Yeah,
1: I feel you. If they had a more consistent schedule, because you get upset because there's, there's lots of back and forth. These fights take 10 months to set up, and then they're over in three minutes. Yeah. Uh, not my favorite thing. Uh, moving on to NASCAR, we have the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series at Kansas Speedway. That's at 1230 on yeah. FS1 on Saturday. Additionally, you have the Xfinity Series. That's kind of like the minor leagues of NASCAR. Also at Kansas Speedway. That's set the start at 4 o'clock on NBCSN. Greg, you're a Kansan, a mm-hmm. Kansas guy. Have you been to that Motor Speedway before? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's beautiful. I and mean, that whole area is great. They've got big shopping mall out there. The Nebraska Furniture Mart is out there, good restaurants. It's a cool thing. Now, it's going to obviously different. I don't think they had any fans in there last night. Uh, last week at Texas Motor Speedway, they let about 20,000 fans in. I, I don't know, but I think last, I don't think they had Bristol a week ago, the NASCAR had fans in, but I don't think they had any at Kansas Speedway, which is, which is too bad. But it's a beautiful, beautiful track.
1: Yeah, again, that's at 1230 in on FS1 and also 4 o'clock on NBCSN if you're interested in that. And then, Greg, what you've been eagerly awaiting, your favorite sport, your favorite of everything, Major League Soccer. MLS is yep. back, tournament. and yep. now onto the round of 16, the knockout stages of this thing. Montreal Impact squaring off with Orlando City Saturday at 7 on ESPN2. Also on the deuce, New England Revolution and the Philadelphia Union at 930. Are the excitement levels off the chart for this great?
0: You know, its I've gotten up a few times in the last two weeks, flipped on ESPN like at 8 a.m., and they're going. They're playing. I mean, they've had oh, a yeah. lot of these matches on ESPN, uh, so this is their way back in. They've Their bubble, like the NBA, has been very, very effective. They've been able to kind of wipe out any infections, and that tournament's gotten going. They're, they've had some pretty good success with that.
1: Yeah, MLS if, is if, back.
0: If Sporting Kansas City plays, I, I might tune in a little bit. But you didn't mention them, so I'm, if they're not playing, I probably won't watch. This
1: yeah, MLS is back, and America rejoices, and along with Greg Sharp, only Sporting KC's in there. But the, no, and, I have not been, ch- and and Brett Woody. Now I have to be honest; I have not been keeping my finger on the pulse of the MLS is Back tournament. Uh, but my understanding is the winner will secure a berth in the 2021 Concacaf Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just big time stuff right there. And that is all I have for the weekend good. preview. It's a little bit Pretty light good. this week, but, hey, it's at least it's a preview.
0: <laughs> Heck, yeah, first one we've had in months. It's, it's great to have that back. And there's enough in there for people, and it's only going to get more because, as you mentioned, the NBA gets going. The NHL is just about 10 days away from dropping the puck, so it's – it's here. Really good stuff. And I do stand corrected. The European Tour has had a couple of tournaments in July. They had the Austrian Open and the Urim Bank Open. So this is their third tournament where the PGA. This is, I think, the sixth week for the PGA Tour that has gotten cranked up. Boys, time for this week's winners and losers. Tim, give me your winners and losers.
1: All right, starting off with my losers, Tim. Uh Anthony Fauci's first pitch. It it didn't go great. Also, the IOC had a fun Twitter moment. They were promoting the spirit of the Olympic Games using some heavy footage from the 1936 Berlin Olympics. That took place in Nazi Germany. They Mm. had to walk that back. It wasn't too good for them. Uh, My winner, the Buffalo Bisons, the winners of the Blue Jays sweepstakes. And all their magnanimity, they allowed the Blue Jays to take up their ballpark, Salem Field or Solid Field. Um, now the homeless Blue Jays are homeless no longer. Everyone's happy. Uh, feel good story.
0: Okay. Austin, how about you?
3: Well, Tim's our negative Nancy. He'll start out with his losers. I'll start out with <laughs> my winner Alex Smith, uh, Redskins quarterback, suffered a horrible, horrible knee injury back in November of 2018. He was medically cleared today to resume all football activities he's been rehabbing but his surgical team said he's good to go he can go forward with football
0: isn't that great
3: that's a great sign for one of the dudes that's just universally respected in the nfl and everyone you talk to everyone you hear from has nothing but positive things to say about alex smith from a tough situation in san francisco to you know you know patrick mahomes is coming in kansas city Then that knee injury he's been through a lot consummate professional great news to see alex smith back and healthy. My loser of the week, Bryce Harper. He has some interesting queats to say the least. They've got some green fur on them, the Philly fanatic eyes and everything. They're, they're absolutely garish. It makes me want to walk back my stance on MLB players personalizing their gear a little
0: very good my winner sports fans you have survived you have made it major league baseball getting going the nba exhibition's going so sports fans your long drought your long nightmare coming to an end and as us reviving the weekend preview proves it you made your place. I was gonna you Tim took two losers. That's really not fair. That's an Austin Orman move <laughs> right there. So cause mine was Anth my was Anthony Fauci's first pitch. It reminds me, if you watch the Big Bang Theory, Howard Wolowitz – in the storyline, had gone to space, came back, and they wanted him to throw the first pitch out. That's kind of the way Anthony Fauci looked like Howard Wallowitz of the Big Bang Theory, the way he tried to throw well, that uh, pitch in, in Washington, D.C. last night. If you know you can't do it, don't agree to do it. Kind of simple things. What a fun hour here on Sports SportsHonda. Don't go away. Another hour next.